are listening to the Star Lores Podcast. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Are you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. I got a bad feeling about this. Once professed by Master Yoda as one of the most learned Jedi in the ways of the Force, Count Dooku became the fearsome Dark Lord of the Sith infamously known as Darth Tyrannus. His rise through the Jedi ranks and the subsequent betrayal by leading the Separatist armies against the Republic is second to none, with the exception of Anakin Skywalker, his ironic successor. Although known as a malevolent servant of the Sith for more than 70 years, he served the Jedi Order and trained many Padawans like Kamari Vosa and even Qui-Gon Jinn at the Jedi Temple. It was only during the disastrous battle against the true Mandalorians on Galadran, where Dooku had his crisis of faith and fell to the dark side. Even so, it could be argued that the Count's allegiance to the Sith was political as opposed to religious. Dooku was swayed by Supreme Chancellor Palpatine, and finding their print from the same cloth of the Sith, Count Dooku became Palpatine's, that is Darth Sidious's, apprentice. From that moment on, Dooku began a movement across the galaxy, spreading division and strife to split the galaxy in half and start the Clone Wars. Beginnings Dooku heralded from Sereno, a planet in the Outer Rim ruled by an aristocratic elite of Counts. The planet was ill-famed for resisting otherworldly authorities, both Sith and Republic, and became a hotbed for young and angry dissenters like Dooku. He was brought up in royalty as a classic count from Sereno, but instead of living in great houses, was brought in the way of the Jedi from an early age. His parents were aware and very proud of his Force abilities, and released him into the tutelage of the Jedi rather willingly as they had other children to carry on the Dooku lineage. As a youngling, he was the swiftest learner of his year, and unlike the other pupils, knew the nobility where he came from and the strife his home planet caused. Before ascending to Padawan, Dooku immersed himself in the study of diplomacy and even enrolled in special tutorials for Senate protocols. When Dooku was 13 years of age, he had an even further opportunity to interact with the social power when Jedi Master Thame Cerulean enlisted him as his apprentice. Cerulean occupied a seat on the Jedi High Council and was known as a galactic historian at the time, a teacher Dooku studied well from. In addition to learning from a well-renowned Jedi the great Master Yoda took deep interest in the youth. He found great counsel and great critic in Yoda, who was quick to point out the troubles the boy was facing. A Padawan friend by the name of Nod grew envious of Dooku's success and blamed the theft of a dark holocron on Dooku. Although he was absolved and Nod expelled out of the Jedi Order, Dooku would never forget the betrayal and would never grow wary of those who wanted to call him friend. Yoda trained Dooku in the lightsaber arts, and with the knowledge of great master, Dooku became an expert duelist. With few to match his skills, Master Cerulean was astounded at his Padawan's progression in the ways of the Force, professing him as his most gifted student he ever taught. Rising in the ranks, Dooku began to speaking out not just in Jedi affairs, 
but against corruption that had been eating through the Galactic Republic. The Jedi. While Dooku was finishing up his Padawan training, he met another Force trainee, Qui-Gon Jinn, a boy ten years younger, who impressed him with his capabilities. Dooku convinced Master Yoda that he could take on Qui-Gon as an apprentice. In his twenties, Dooku became a Jedi Knight and enlisted Qui-Gon as his first Padawan. During his tutelage of the young Qui-Gon, the pair would run into several misadventures along the way, featuring a run-in with space pirates and his old nemesis, Nod. While escorting a senator, they found themselves ambushed by the pirates who kidnapped politicians for ransom. It was only Qui-Gon's level head that saved the pirate from Dooku's vengeance. The pair would go off for more dangerous missions before Qui-Gon himself would become a Jedi Knight and Dooku a Jedi Master. Their parting advice to his dear student was be wary of friends and even more wary of the inevitability of betrayal. As Dooku and Qui-Gon moved up in the Order, their relationship grew more distant, despite Qui-Gon actually becoming more of a disciple in the teachings of Dooku as opposed to Yoda, although he would reject the last tenet, that being of the inevitability of betrayal. Now as a Jedi Master, Dooku became an instructor and pursued the perfection of lightsaber swordsmanship. His techniques became part of the curriculum for Padawans, and his methods for overcoming arrogance were well regarded. He was offered a seat on the Jedi High Council, but surprisingly rejected the motion to pursue more political aspirations, contending he was better suited as a peacekeeper. Eventually, he accepted a chair in the Jedi High Council, but continued to pursue diplomatic matters in the Galactic Republic and became renowned at settling conflicts. He was heralded as a proponent of peace by a certain Supreme Chancellor Palpatine in much later years. Over the course of his career, he befriended several rising Jedi Masters, like that of Mace Windu and Sifo Diaz, and the young Kamari Vosa. He was considered by many to be part of the Old Guard in the waning years of the Galactic Republic, and Jedi Master Dooku had seemingly found his destiny among the great heroes of the Jedi Temple, that is, if not were for Galadran. The Count. In 44 BBY, the true Mandalorians invaded Galadran, and the governor of Galadran begged the Jedi Council to help him defeat the foes. A hastily put together contingent of Jedi Knights were given to Dooku and sent to deal with the threat. The Jedi were ill prepared and ill-informed to respond to the Mandalorians, except for Dooku, who was versed in some of their ways. They were skillful and feared warriors, well matched against the unwary Jedi. What Dooku was very ill-informed for was that the ruling body of Galadran brought the Mandalorians in to put down an insurgency, but double-crossed them and were using the Jedi to defeat the Mandalorians. Dooku and the Jedi fought the Mandalorians with great casualties on both sides, but when the dust settled, the Force wielders proved victorious, having decimated their foes. However, the Mandalorians did not go out, down without a fight, and Dooku admittingly respected the ferocity of the warriors. In particular, their leader, Jango Fett, who killed several Jedi in hand-to-hand -hand combat. 
Dooku soon learned how the Galadrian government used the Jedi to kill the Mandalorians. The ruler of Galadrian confirmed his deep-seated beliefs of betrayal, and it infuriated him. Something changed in Dooku and given his extent of influence across the galaxy, so he would change the entire Galactic Republic. Returning back to the Jedi Order, Dooku started refusing missions from the Council and withdrew from its affairs. He did choose to remain within the Jedi for another 12 years with a different purpose in mind. And in his words, I still believed that I could accomplish some good as a Jedi. I thought I could bring about some positive changes, right certain wrongs, and do better than maintain the status quo. His new mission, however, was muddled with troubling prophecies of the galaxy entering a new era, one of shadow and darkness. It was Senator Palpatine who sensed him out, rooting Dooku's disillusionment of the Galactic Republic and befriending the Jedi Master. They held several private meetings, and despite Dooku's devotions to the ways of the Jedi, he understood the benefits of communing with the dark side of the Force. He further believed the dark side could be wielded without moral betrayal if the ends justify the means. Senator Palpatine counted Dooku as an ally, and to secretly take advantage of Dooku's disenchantment with the Jedi Order and current establishment. The Senator set plans in motion to bring about the end of the Republic, starting with the Battle of Naboo in 32 BBY and the killing of Dooku's apprentice, Qui-Gon Jinn, at the hands of Darth Maul. Qui-Gon's death was shocking, but Dooku turned his anger and condemnation towards the Galactic Senate for their weak and apathetic reaction to the Naboo crisis. He quit his position at the Jedi Council without explanation or announcement and withdrew from the public sphere, opting to return to his homeworld, Sereno. The resignation sent shockwaves through the Jedi Order and was a sure omen of the dark times to come. Back on Sereno, Dooku resumed family affairs by sending the nobility to claim his title as Count, and so, from Jedi Master, Count Dooku came to power. Darth Tyrannus. You have no business left with the Pikes Tyrannus. Tyrannus? You are the man called Tyrannus? I told you everything you needed to know on Geonosis all those years ago, Kenobi. You should have joined me. Siphotias understood. He saw the future. That is why he helped me. You lie. Minister Long, if you're going to help us, now is the time. The destiny of Dooku could have ended in honor as a count on Sereno, a return to ruling the people that understood him most. But Count Dooku quickly grew unsettled and thought of chasing down the second Sith Lord, who was involved in the killing of Qui-Gon Jinn. He also was growing resentful of the Jedi Council, believing they had an equal, indirect hand in the death of his former Padawan. Chancellor Palpatine visited Count Dooku and found he had also been musing about a new galactic order to replace the aged and corrupted Republic. Their ideals aligned, Palpatine began to plot a movement with Count Dooku for a galactic coup. 
He did not reveal his true identity as the other Sith Lord yet, considering Dooku's emotional state with the death of Qui-Gon. But plans started moving ahead, sowing discord among the Separatists and taking control of a clone army. Using his unlimited resources as Count on Sereno, Dooku saw Chancellor Palpatine's plans come to fulfillment, starting with assuming control over the clone projects from his friend he killed, Sifo Diaz. Now deeply embedded with the Sith, Palpatine revealed himself as Darth Sidious, the other Sith Lord responsible for Qui-Gon's death. Despite Count Dooku's grief over his former Padawan, he found it more appealing to continue his alliance with Darth Sidious if it meant the end of the corruptible Galactic Republic. Under the name of his dead friend, Sifo Diaz, Count Dooku carried out the clone project and in an ironic twist, employed the Mandalorian he spared on Galadran as a genetic blueprint for the clone army. It seemed fitting to use such a deadly warrior and Jedi killer like that of Jango Fett. It was during his time that Count Dooku began secretive training in the ways of the Sith from Darth Sidious and was renamed Darth Tyrannus. He learned in the dark places of Coruscant, far from the lights of the Capitol buildings or the Jedi Temple, where he himself once taught, once had discourse, and once dreamed of changing the Galactic Republic from within. Now, Count Dooku was silently going behind the scenes, starting to sow the seeds of distrust and unrest among the Galactic players. He was intervening in peace talks, supporting planetary coups, and even though the Jedi Order managed to quash many of his schemes, they were always one step behind the grand vision of the Sith. Once aligning himself with the Trade Federation and their vast droid army, war was only a few light years away. Ten years into their web of schemes, Darth Sidious and Darth Tyrannus were starting to see their plans come to fruition. Count Dooku returned to the public eye with a scathing speech against the Galactic Republic and Jedi Order for its corruption and mediocrity, denouncing their ability to rule comp competently, and called for a movement to join the Separatists. Dissension spread like wildfire, and it was clear Count Dooku had voiced what many in the galaxy had felt all along. He himself did not commandeer a single planet or resistance front. Rather, he moved throughout the galaxy, spreading his message with rumors and propaganda. Becoming increasingly controversial, an illegal bounty was put on his head, and several best-selling authors wrote stories about his rise to fame. Chancellor Palpatine acted on his behalf and pretended to offer peace and sit down with Dooku in council, though this was all going to plan, as the Sith foretold, war would be coming to the galaxy. It was here Dooku sought Grievous to lead the droid armies, though conspired to have the general mortally wounded and then reconstructed as a cyborg to be more under their influence. The whole matter was rather loathsome to Count Dooku, but he was pleased with the flesh made into machine and personally trained Grievous in his unmatched tutelage of the lightsaber duel. With armies to engage and generals to lead, the galaxy was ripe for war. Opening acts of the Clone Wars and Count Dooku leading carnage throughout the galaxy was not a grand crusade, or the fires of pocketed resistance igniting the planet's ablaze. Rather, a conspiracy unmasked by the Senator Amidala and the Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. A foiled assassination against the Senator led the Jedi on a trail that revealed the clone facilities that were raising the so-called Clone Army of the Republic, and then Count Dooku, Trade Federation and their allies scheming on the dust world of Geonosis. Dooku caught Obi-Wan Kenobi and tried to insist on a misunderstanding. Through probing the Jedi's mind for some sympathy in that the Republic was corrupt and even Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan's own master, would have joined Count Dooku's plight. Obi-Wan refused the feeling. At an impasse, Count Dooku handed him over to the Separatists. 
condemned to die, Anakin, Amidala, and Kenobi were sentenced to be devoured by wild creatures as sport for the Geonosians and the Separatists who bore a grudge, particularly at Senator Amidala. However, as Count Dooku and his allies watched a host of Jedi led by Mace Windu intervened and saved the captives. Despite the surprise invasion, Dooku foresaw such a rescue and had thousands of battle droids and destroyer droids grind the Jedi down until only a handful remained. What the Count did not foresee was an army of clones led by Yoda suddenly dropped from the sky and not only rescued the rescuers, but overwhelmed the droid armies. The Battle of Geonosis all but wiped out the Separatist forces, causing them to abandon the planet and fall back to allied stars. Among the hasty retreat, Dooku was entrusted with the plans of what was re revered as the ultimate weapon for safekeeping back into the hands of Darth Sidious. The Count would not end his journey without lightsaber combat with both Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker. The former Jedi Master, now turned Dark Lord, easily overwhelmed the two. Conjuring up dark side powers, force lightning, telekinetics, and his superior wielding of the lightsaber, he incapacitated Obi-Wan and lopped off Anakin's hand. He could not revel in his victory, however, as indeed Geonosis had fallen, and a Master Yoda now barred his path of escape. The two dueled with such ferocity and matching Dooku's conjuration of the dark side with his own power of the Force. Dooku soon realized he could not overwhelm his old master and turned to try and bury Obi-Wan and Anakin under a great column, forcing Yoda to intervene and allowing the Count to take flight. The battle lost, but the war beginning, Dooku arrived in Coruscant and under the shelter of an industrial wasteland presented Darth Sidious with the plans for the ultimate weapon, or Death Star, as it would later be known. Master Yoda, Count Dooku. You have interfered with our affairs for the last time. Powerful you have become, Dooku. The dark side I sense in you. I've become more powerful than any Jedi. Even you. After the loss of Geonosis, Count Dooku regrouped the Separatist forces and began to roll out the long-drawn-out Clone Wars. In the early stages, his charisma and confidence inspired many systems into the ranks of the Separatists, and even the Jedi Council at first was not in complete agreement to denounce the movement. Corruption and civil unrest was apparent and several Jedi understood the Separatists as a plight against a broken system. Several professed neutrality, while others aligned themselves with the Separatist cause. However, his true devotion to the dark side started becoming apparent, and he grew in infamy and terror as a figurehead of the Separatists and as Darth Tyrannus, the Sith Lord. As a Count Dooku would head several war campaigns across the galaxy, but as Darth Tyrannus, he led excavations to resurrect old Sith weapons like the Dark Reaper, or invest in diabolical weaponry like the Decimators. 
However, he would also cross paths many times with his adversaries, Anakin and Obi-Wan, and would often disrupt his plans. But even so, Count Dooku and Darth Sidious only knew these as minor setbacks to the Greater Revolution. As a matter of fact, the Count and Sidious deliberately sabotaged potential victories to draw out the war in order to achieve the wills of the Sith. An illustrated account of this was when the cloning facilities were discovered on Kamino. However, when the Separatists arrived, they were overwhelmed by the Republic fleet, despite Count Dooku's full awareness the clones were warned of the potential ambush. In the mind's eye of the Sith, both clone and droid armies still needed to wage a war, and the destruction of Kamino could have been the undoing of a balance of power they still needed. Unbeknownst to Count Dooku, Lord Sidious thought of him in the exact same way. Many acts of villainy, victories, and losses accompanied the Count as the Clone Wars progressed, and much was written about him, almost as the anti-hero of a corrupt Republic that was dying. But just as Count Dooku was used as Separatist for the means to an end, so too was he the means to an end, and the beginning of an even greater Sith Lord. A final stage was in place that would begin with the Separatists staging a surprise attack against Coruscant and capture the council Chancellor. As Obi-Wan and Anakin would try to rescue the politician, Dooku would intervene and kill Kenobi, inciting Anakin into such a fury that the Count and Darsidious could channel down a path to the dark side. From that point, Dooku was supposed to be captured, then switch sides and place blame of all the war crimes and atrocities on General Grievous. He would proclaim innocence, a meager voice against corruption, and when the war was over and the Sith were ruling, he would take his new position in a new galactic empire. Anakin and Obi-Wan did try to rescue the Chancellor, as was foretold. But Count Dooku soon realized that years of, of fighting the Clone Wars had granted the Jedi with experience, and their first duel had given them caution. Dooku increased his ferocity, and again surprised the Jedi with conjuring dark side powers to aid in his fight, like force pushing, force choking, and finally, force telekinesis. Even so, Anakin alone was able to match and even surpass Count Dooku's skills with a lightsaber. For taking off his one hand, Anakin cut both of Dooku's off in an epic blow and had him at his mercy of his lightsaber. The moment completely shocked the Count. Throughout the Clone Wars, even the most devastating defeats were always part of the plans for final victory for the Sith. And in his defeat at the hands of Skywalker, perhaps he realized this too was part of the plan for final victory. It was so when Chancellor Palpatine, that is Darth Sidious, told Anakin to kill Count Dooku. Throughout the Count Dooku's life, from a young Padawan to one of the greatest Jedis to walk within the temple walls, to his allegiance with the Sith, the shadow of betrayal, has always walked beside him. Be it his friends, the Republic he tried to change, the religion of the Jedi he followed, or even the dark side of the Force he swore allegiance to. In the end, Dooku became the villainy that pursued him. When he used and betrayed the Separatists and countless other lives in the Clone Wars for the purposes of the Sith, 
until that very master brought him to the lightsabers of his arch enemy, Anakin. Betrayal was the tenant he lived by. Betrayal was the tenant he would die by. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lores podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon. So if you want to help us pay the bills, as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server, head on over to patreon.com forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show. Everybody, welcome back. This is Jordan. This is Christian. And uh, today we're not actually on the Millennial Falcon. We've uh, decided to set her down on the beautiful world of Sereno to uh, see their hallowed halls and opulent palaces. Mm -hmm. Um, Today we're talking about one of Sereno's... uh, most infamous or famous famous or infamous yeah. however you like to look at it which is a great way to start this off um with count duku was he really a bad guy <laughs> <laughs> this is a topic we just we broach a lot <laughs> is it really <laughs> are things really the way they yeah. appear um yeah so there's interesting a lot of interest he's an interesting character through and through um i think he has a lot of complexity a lot of depth that you know, for someone you don't actually see all that much in the movies, like in terms of like scene for scene, he has a very small screen presence. He appears a lot more in comic books and like alt media and in like the Clone Wars TV series, which we'll discuss in a bit. But for someone with that little screen presence, he has a lot of depth and a lot of complexity. Um, so yeah, was he all that bad? Ken, um, he, he was obviously in league with the Sith um, and he was, also fighting against the corruption of the Republic, this like rotten core. And he obviously was also a very wise Jedi and like his teachings resonated with people like Qui-Gon in particular that kind of like, I don't know how to phrase it. They were less, they were more practical teachings, less idealistic teachings, which arguably was kind of the flaw of the, the Jedi high council at the time of the, waning of the republic right like they became too pent up in their ideals and they weren't uh able to see kind of like yeah they aligned themselves with a lot of the rot that dooku was fighting against um so that's the first thing was he all that bad (laughs) yeah i know um there is there's sort of the question and we kind of discussed it in the scripted portion just about how he sort of justified his uh, future actions by like the end is justifies the means and, and sort of started making small compromises, you know, but it is like, there is always the question, like, can you ever really get progress if, if, um, if you let the perfect be the enemy of the good, you know, like if, if you have to have, uh, complete pure upstanding moral character 
without making any compromises can you actually get anything done that's i think that's like contextual and situational it's like it's it's kind of a difficult calculation to make i think i think there are like situation even in life like there's situations yeah, in real life, yeah. and, and people that like you can look up to and admire because of how dedicated they are to whatever cause they might have but they also have flaws yeah it, it there's only so far it it can it can sort of go you know so or it's only it can only move the needle culturally so far um i i i don't know i think there's like all sorts of like subcultures and stuff who are very much like where you have like a purist menta- mentality, you know, and uh, sort of in a, in a lot of ways, the purist mentality is correct. It's like it seems philosophically correct. It seems like morally correct, but it it uh, it doesn't have any larger sway because like the vast majority of people. Yeah. If anything, they're losing members yeah, over time yeah. rather than gaining. Yeah. I'm sure Star Wars fans know nothing about pure <laughs> <Yeah>. purism and <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Like we are we are like legends purists. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I'm having a, a crisis of yeah. faith now. Um but that's not true. We yeah. we like the Mandalorian. Yeah. There are rare exceptions. Yeah. We we like quality content. Yeah. We won't say never ever, but yeah. um Something else you said there, though, too, about the compromises, right? Like, at what point do you cross a line where, like, you know what? You've compromised so much that you've kind of lost the point. You're no longer the good guy, right? You you actually genuinely become the villain. Yeah. And that's also an interesting take. Like, did Count Dooku start out with good intentions? And that was the flaw that the dark side used to exploit the same way Anakin, the same way. You know, people don't just 180, drop all their values and decide to be bad guys, right? Yeah. Usually there's a, a character weakness or a flaw or something that gets exploited that, you know, compromise after compromise, little things. And eventually next thing you know, you're leading a genocide on a planet. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of becomes like a cancer, you know, like as it grows and festers. But at the same time, you're there also like Dooku himself was fighting a cancer within the Republic. Right. Like a legitimate one. And yeah, like how do you fight cancer with radiation? Yeah. That also kills you. So (laughs) that's right. Yeah. How much harm do you do till you actually succumb? right yeah it's uh it it's true i think it's it's like a difficult uh tightrope to walk i think for most people but like yeah i I don't know i think if we didn't have like films that were just so black and white and you'd have maybe a little more room to explore but yeah i think you could um i'm sure in much of like the literature and stuff it uh adds shades of gray yeah absolutely well if anything it actually makes them worse which oh, i'll really? get to you in a sec yeah we'll, <laughs> okay. we'll talk about that in a minute okay. <laughs> um i just also wanted to kind of mention like that theme of betrayal and like that being one of the tenets of dooku's life you kind of think oh it's kind of foreshadowing dooku's betrayal of the jedi and like his old way of life but really like it does follow him all the way to his own betrayal like dooku was used as a pawn just as much as you know the clones were so yeah. in a lot of ways, he's also a victim of the scheming of the Sith, right? He was always going to be disposable. He was always, he was never going to achieve what he wanted. And that yeah. was by design. It wasn't an accident. Sidious plotted it that way. And it could be even like maybe Dooku's like actually did have pure motivations all along. And Sidious saw that and was like, I can't have... Uh, uh, like an ideologue. I need. I need uh, a tool. Yeah, a tool. Exactly. <laughs> Where know? Anakin's yeah. the perfect tool, <laughs> in more ways than one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that that leads to the broader question of can the dark side of the Force be used for good? And that is actually that's come up a couple of times too. You have people like Darth Crate and others. Um. There's even the whole theory, which isn't canon at all whatsoever. Um. <laughs> but the theory that Sidious was actually the reason he wanted to establish the Galactic Empire was to have a united front against the, the Vong invasion yeah, that he first saw coming. Yeah. That's not canon, for the record. Yeah, I kind of like it. We'll get into it in another I kind of like it, too. Uh-huh. But it, we know for a fact that's not why he did it. He can yeah. still be a bad guy, and he should be a bad guy. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like we've seen this kind of theme come up with like kind of using it as a means to an end. And again, that question of, like, well, how corrupting is this thing that you try to use? And it's a classic 
feature for someone using kind of like a powerful thing. And Lord of the Rings has that too, right? Yeah. In which case, like people try to use the ring for good, but that's right. At the end of the day, no one can. It's it's not possible, and that's it, kind of a reality that people need to. And I I think like I think like a lot of people will compromise their values given the right situation or the right context. Like a lot of people don't think they will, but even. I mean, not to get too controversial here, but even like look at COVID over the last two years and like some of the things that governments and stuff engage in. It's and what even like the average person engaged in or advocated for would have been something that they, if you asked them three years ago or four years ago, if they would do that, would have been very different. Yeah, they probably would have given you a different answer. But when a situation or a circumstance comes up, it sort of, it will change your calculation a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about then Dooku's portrayal in other media. So Dooku gets very much bent towards the dark side through outside of the movies. So in the comic books and particularly in the Clone Wars series, he definitely comes off as a true villain. Yeah. He does some pretty heinous things and there's never that kind of like, well, is he doing it for better cause or for pure motives it's definitely portrayed as and of course we don't necessarily see him all the time and like through his eyes so you could still in the background if say you wrote a book about his portrayal in the movie or in the tv series um you could get away with something more like okay he had ulterior motives or he was actually trying to achieve this objective or whatever but definitely in other media he is portrayed more as a dark figure and in that it could also be said that he started out in episode two, let's say with those pure intentions and over time, the corruption, you know, the scheming, the plotting just led him down a darker and darker path where ultimately he did become a genuine bad guy, even if he didn't start out that way necessarily. Yeah. Um, talking a little bit about Dooku's earlier years. I think this is a, a really compelling relationship is Dooku and Qui-Gon. Yeah. I think they're both super underutilized characters that have like a lot of complex development um again which you don't totally get from the screen portrayal yeah. you know all the talk of like Qui-Gon being a borderline gray Jedi you know going against the will of the council and then like people like Dooku who were literally his instructor and then that that I remember even when I the first time I watched episode two just being so compelled by Dooku kind of seducing Obi-Wan to the dark side saying like Qui-Gon would have like saw the same things Qui-Gon would have joined me you know? yeah and uh, I always thought, like, part of me is like, is that Dooku lying, obviously, to get Obi-Wan to join him? Or is it actually true? Right. And would Qui-Gon really have done this? And it's actually a genuine question, right? Like, we, we don't it's know because Qui-Gon's dead. Yeah. But it's it's definitely an interesting thought. Um, yeah. I think, like, a, like yeah, definitely, I think exploring, like, the relationship between Qui-Gon and Dooku is, would be super interesting. Especially because it's not really portrayed that much in the movies. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it is, you kind of forget that, that they were like very closely linked. Yeah. And, and like Sifo Diaz too, like his, the role that he played in Dooku's life. In a lot of ways, the character of Sifo Diaz was actually written to add to, it's like one of those characters is actually built for another character. And Sifo kind of yeah. was made for Dooku. He's a plot device. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In a lot of ways, right? He he did play a role in the bigger plot, but yeah, um, it, it is interesting how like these kind of important characters were all influenced, either influenced or were influenced by Dooku. Yeah. Um, one interesting thought too, um, is so you do see him briefly as a young Jedi at the Battle of Galadriel through the Jango Fett open se open seasons comic book series. Um, fantastic series. Highly recommend. Love the Mandalorian portrayal in that. Mm -hmm. But also, that's where you kind of see Dooku realize, like, and almost kind of not take the root of, like, the ends justify the means. He sees how rotten the, corrupt, the, the Republic is, and he's like, we just massacred. And they did. They massacred, like, this Mandalorian faction to a, to a man, except for Jango Fett. Yeah. And then he's like, you know, the Jedi, this is not what Jedi do. This is not who we are. Yeah. And that's totally true, and that's a legitimate concern. Um, and it, again, it's like you get a brief glimpse of Dooku as a younger person. Um, and that could lead to some cool, like, 
series making, I think, if you followed the story of Dooku as a character or the main the main character of a series or something like that. Um, there is an upcoming animated TV series that Disney is putting out that it looks like I believe we're going to see a young Dooku in it. Oh, okay. So that is an interesting yeah. thing. We'll see what Disney, if Disney takes all this depth and complexity built up from the past or if they kind of just rewrite him as a new character, we'll see. Yeah. But there is maybe hope for that and maybe fleshing like out. how much younger do you know? Uh, he looks like he's, he's definitely one, he's a Jedi, like he doesn't have a beard okay. or anything. Like a yet. young adult, maybe. Yeah, or maybe even like, a, maybe as a Jedi master, maybe hopefully to, like tutoring yeah. Qui-Gon. Oh, okay. No yeah. spoilers. But a young Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon seems yeah. to have featured recently in a certain Star Wars media, okay. so it's yeah. possible that they're trying to like build up for that yeah. later payoff, if they have that kind of planning mm-hmm. acumen, <laughs> which they haven't thus far, but we'll see. We'll see if they actually go follow through with it. We'll see, yeah. But um, it's just an interesting thing that maybe we'll see in the next couple of years here. Yeah. Um, Dooku does have a lot of history too that we kind of glossed over during the Clone Wars era, era. Again, like there is so much material put out for the Clone Wars where Dooku features and all these other characters feature. So maybe we'll come back and revisit some more kind of like specific battles or actions that maybe he took in the future. Yeah. Uh, one interesting thing that we didn't really discuss in the script was um one of the fighting techniques that dooku uses yeah um and this is more i think in the literature this is written but it's called the dun the dun mock dun mock and it's uh it's sort of like a technique of psychological warfare that a lot of the sith use where they'll they'll taunt or spread doubt or uh, it's like a tactical move, you know. It's not even really because they generally mean it. It's just like a way to throw get your inside bomb. your head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Getting inside people's head. Well, you do see Dooku doing this. Yeah, you to do, Anakin, Obi Wan. Like he's talking to them while he's dueling. Yeah. And I believe, like they even sort of, you know, how like Obi Wan can like, um, uh, what's that force trick he uses where he can make someone mind trick? Uh, yeah, like the mind trick. I think like with the Don Mock, it's sort of they're using the dark side to sort of influence their opponents as well. Yeah, it's well, a more aggressive. Yeah, well, while you're like literally it. fighting someone. Yeah, at the same time. yeah. Uh, so kind of an interesting uh, thing that he he was like a master of. Um, yeah, on top of his like, he was an excellent duelist as well. So <coughs> that's cool that he's that's like, right, yeah. attacking you physically and mentally at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, you know, yes, he loses to Anakin. But Anakin is a really hard standard to. Uh, yeah uphold to but he is like better than probably most i i think he's a little underrated and like he trained uh grievous right like how to use who was a jedi like a prominent jedi killer yeah exactly so yeah i think he's definitely underrated as a fighter and and he was probably better even when he was like a little bit younger than he was in the movies but yeah, he's he he's definitely a very formidable opponent but i think maybe the unglorious way in which he died was like and just psychologically to me sort of made me see view him as lesser uh, yeah so, sort of like insignificant but <laughs> it's really has such true. a bad habit of uh yeah doing that to their character yeah it's he, true yeah it's <laughs> kind of writing them off and throwing them away yeah. like really cool like okay yeah. now we're gonna toss this guy yeah. um on that note so funnily enough um there is kind of some script doctors who have gone over episode one and episode two to try and make them more like cohesive stories and like better plot overarching plot. And a lot of people merge the characters of Darth Maul and Darth Tyrannus or Grievous and, and Dooku okay. uh, just to have a more consistent, like fleshed out bad guy that you can yeah, kind of track. Yeah. But initially i'm like yeah that's that's actually pretty cool and like that actually helps the flow of the movie you have this like you could do so much with that even if you know early in episode one qui-gon and dooku are dueling yeah right and you have that whole thing but now maul has also become such a complex and interesting character (laughs) i would hate to lose one of them now (laughs) now they're both too awesome you don't want to lose any of those characters and we've done episodes i think on all those characters yeah so So, yeah i'm kind of conflicted because on the one hand like at the time i'm like that's actually like really smart and good and like star wars has this again this bad habit of writing off villains that they just toss right boba fett and like kind of like play up a little bit and then just like sweep aside when they're no longer usable for the plot that's right yeah um also on disposable characters um so dooku was actually initially conceived of as a woman um before they kind of shifted gears and and gave it to christopher lee which we'll get into in in a second here too but um 
the concept art that they built around Count Dooku, I believe also is what led to the creation of Asajj Ventress, who ended up becoming Dooku's like Sith acolyte. And I believe some other prominent characters too. I think even Grievous's earliest, um, oh, what's the word? Like conceptualizations for Grievous, I think came out of like experimentation with Dooku potentially yeah. being a cyborg and then playing okay. into that whole yeah. Anakin, you know, looking into the future kind of mirroring or whatever. There's like a lot of that, like Sifo Dias was, was Sidious, right? Yeah. Like, the, and they split off that character. Yeah. There's a lot of that in Star Wars where, yeah, things start out maybe yeah. one way, and then like over time they kind of I'm sure, go in a different direction. I'm sure in a lot of fictional properties, there's a lot of that where yeah, a character starts out one way, and then it ends up being it two evolves. characters, yeah. And, yeah, or three or characters becomes one character, yeah, exactly, yeah, stuff like that. Um, but it is cool to see like people that he would have been also be reincorporated in the future. Like someone took that concept and like that's actually really cool. Let's let's go with that. That's right. Yeah. And then wrote up an all new character like Asajj Ventress. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Uh, some linguistic trivia. <laughs> uh, so as all the Sith Lords names actually mean something. Um, in Dooku's case, obviously Darth Tyrannus comes from like tyrannical. Um, but his regular name, um, Dooku, which oddly enough, he doesn't have like a first name. He's just Dooku of Sereno. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, probably it's kind of the reverse of real life where royalty don't typically have last names yeah yeah but they have first names but in this case you have royal like a royal house who i guess have last names i don't know if this is typical for the whole yeah you know culture of serrano or maybe duku's we just don't know what his name is no one ever wrote it down yeah um but his his name duku is actually supposed uh means poison in japanese but also means something a little more explicit in portuguese (laughs) So, um, I don't know if they actually edited or changed. Oh yeah. They changed it for the Brazilian release. So his name is actually Ducan in Brazil okay, and presumably in Portugal. Yeah. Um, because of, again, that language translation and the same thing actually happens with captain Panaka, who's the captain of the Naboo right. guard in episode one. Panaka is, I, I don't remember what it means, but it's something not nice in Portuguese. <laughs> um, so then I don't know if they changed his name either for that release, but it's kind of mm-hmm. what you get when you're kind of mixing languages or like having global releases. You can't account for every, every meaning in every language. Yeah. Um, circling back to the portrayal of Count Dooku, Christopher Lee, fantastic choice. Mm-hmm. Um, he's well, well was, well, he, he died relatively recently, I think in 2016, I want to say. Yeah. Sometime about there. But he's been a staple in Hollywood for a long time. Very prevalent in like the horror genre. Um, he, his, I think, biggest breakout roles were as Count Dracula in like the early, I think even black and white kind of movies. Mm-hmm. And then he's played like really prominent villains and other things. Uh, he's he's actually quite tall. I think he's six foot something. He is a tall yeah. guy. Yeah. And he also has like a very deep, like imposing voice. Um, which is probably what led him to be like typecast as a villain, but he yeah. plays like gold. Saruman. <laughs> yeah. Most prominently Saruman in, yeah. in Lord of the Rings, which was releasing two at the same time as Star Wars. Which That's was really right. Cool yeah. <laughs> to see him in both. And then also like um, Scramanga in the Bond, James Bond franchise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And he's done a lot more. Like I think he's also well known for stage and for yeah. tons of movies. Like he's been in a lot. He's a little bit from an older generation of filmmaking, which like I personally haven't seen his whole filmography, but those are the three things I would probably identify him the most with um that being said also he's knighted okay so count not count Deku. <laughs> christopher sir lee christopher. sir christopher lee i swear like you've seen those uh dosekis commercials of like the most interesting man in the world oh yeah <laughs> i encourage all our listeners if you don't know anything about christopher lee go look up his wikipedia page because that man has led like an exceedingly <laughs> interesting life He's like descended from like Byzantine royalty. <laughs> he um is related to some kind of like high um or well known like nobility across Europe and stuff. A lot of Europeans are because of intermarriage over hundreds of years, but yeah. I digress. Um obviously he's known for his um being a famous actor and all that stuff, but also maybe not well as well known. Um he used to serve in the British intelligence. 
during World War II. Hmm. So he's done like a lot of crazy, you know, for the World War II era, like espionage and like black ops type stuff. And uh, I even remember uh, an interview I've watched. I love Lord of the Rings as much as, oh, more than Star Wars even. (laughs) And so I've watched like all the extended content for the Lord of the Rings movies and the interviews and stuff. And Christopher Lee even references like he's probably like stabbed people in the back, like stealth killed people like he yeah. told peter jackson he's like i know what people sound like when they get stabbed <laughs> in the back so um anyways yeah he's led a very interesting life knighted yeah. um he's also he was part of some heavy metal album too he narr- <laughs> narrated like a heavy metal album um he's done like tons of crazy stuff and he's his cousin his step cousin is um ian fleming Oh, is that right? Is the author of yeah, James the Bond. Bond author? Yeah. And I, I don't know if this is true. If someone could verify this, but he allegedly James Bond is based off of Christopher Lee <laughs> and his time working in uh, in British intelligence, like MI six or whatever. Yeah, MI5. he didn't work for MI six or five, as far as I know. Um, I think he worked for like um, the British Air Force intelligence. Okay, yeah, but um, military guy. Yeah, and like his he's got a family. I believe his his father also was in the military too. Okay, so. Yeah, allegedly Ian Fleming and and he met up and like, I guess Christopher Lee very well may be real life James Bond. He also apparently has like a big uh, occult library of like weird occult books, like a collection. Yeah, just like kind of an eccentric, you know, and and yeah, has has a a lot of life experience. Yeah, so definitely worth, like I said, if you have a few minutes, (laughs) just go look up his Wikipedia page and like read it top to bottom because like there's no part of it that's not interesting <laughs> yeah. like what the heck like this guy's done and seen everything which yeah it's like i said the most interesting man in the in the world is literally the, the guy so. indeed well uh before we take off here let's just do a little bit of housekeeping um so i just wanted to give a big shout out to all of our uh, new patrons uh one of them is luke cat god 101 and Rachel. So I just want to thank all our new patrons. Um, and I just want to let everyone know if you want to support the show, you can go on to patreon.com slash star Wars star lore. Sorry. And, uh, support the show for as little as two bucks a month to two us dollars a month, which are quickly deflating. So it's an even better <laughs> deal than, than it was like a year ago. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, also, don't forget to follow us on all our social medias. We're on Discord. People often have uh, a difficult time getting on Discord. Uh, in our more recent episodes, the Discord links should be the correct links. Um, we will send it to you if you request it. Yeah, we've it. gotten a few requests. Yeah, but well. I think people are looking at maybe some of our old episodes. I'm they not sure exactly. Through those links. Yeah. yeah, and they're bad links, so... Um, just for the Discord link, our more recent episodes will have them, uh, or you can always message us, but we'll probably do a social post about it again, just so people have the right one. Um, and don't forget to follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Yeah, and just uh, one more thing I guess we probably should have said at the beginning of the episode. Um, we just want to welcome Paul on as a, as a writer for us, and uh, he's the one that actually wrote the script in this episode. So just a shout out to him and uh, you'll see hopefully a few more episodes written by him in the near future. Indeed. Yeah. Paul has a bit of experience writing in film and doing writing screenplays and stuff. So uh, we're happy to have him on and it should be fun. And hopefully he'll be on the mic sometime soon. Yeah. All right. Peace. It is an honor to stand here before you, for you represent the freedom and the future of our galaxy. The once great Republic and Jedi Order have become victims of their own ambitions. And the Supreme Chancellor is no more than a pawn of corporate monopolies. As a people, you called out for change. You called out for leadership. 
and I humbly answered that call. Together we challenged the system. We asked for equality, and how were we met? With war, the Jedi's secret army of clones was revealed, and their treachery was far greater than we could have imagined. Countless living beings, these clones the Jedi created, have been sent to their deaths, while we sacrifice mainly droids. He makes a good point. Our soldiers of flesh and blood are willing participants. They are your fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, who fight not because they were grown and designed to do so, but because they know in their hearts that they are fighting for a just and noble cause. It is not a simple thing to be your leader during this unfortunate war. But I shall receive this humanitarian honor and take it as a sign that my leadership has been met with your approval. Let the celebration begin!